if you have um, if you have a Bible, I want you to pull it out. If not, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that uh, we're going to cover lots of verses today. And so, if you want to go to WesternHills.Church, where Scott's already sent you this morning, you can go there. And I've put all these verses because if you've ever thought that I don't cover enough verses, enough Bible for you, I'm going to change that today because today. I'm going to hit you with a lot of different verses, because today's going to be a different kind of sermon, because we're going to talk about these blessings of COVID. Now, let me do a disclaimer right at the beginning. I think COVID is serious, um, and I do not intend to minimize or downplay any of the ways that it perhaps has affected you personally, or perhaps a loved one, somebody that you care about. Uh, th- that is not my intent today. What I do want to show is what I believe in, a God that we serve that has an ability to redeem any and all things. And that if we'll reflect just a little bit on these, then there's a a redemption here for us. Does it make all the struggle go away? It doesn't even overcome all the struggle. But there are some things that we can take away from this or that we can experience through this that are a blessing. So I'm going to base this whole sermon. Let me give you my theme verse for this sermon. And it comes from Romans 8.28. And I want to share this with you because I think this is a true verse. The problem is that so often we have misquoted or we have abused this verse. And we've used it at the really inappropriate times. Here's what it says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The problem with this verse is that so often we think what it says is we know that God does all good things, that that's all that he does is good things, and life should be easy, life should be comfortable. Or we think that God does all things and then somehow makes them work out for good. And we end up with some bad theology at times when we start ignoring some things. What it says is it says that in that we know that in all things in whatever happens what's the next two words? God works. In all things, it does not mean... So I'm not suggesting today that God caused COVID. I'm not suggesting that this was some kind of master plan that he has. he's going to cause COVID and wreak havoc in all of our lives. You can't justify all the things through history and say, yeah, God did that, God did that, God did that, God did that. What the verse teaches is that even in the darkest things... God can still work His redemptive power and find redeeming good in them. Not that God caused them, but in all things, that's good. God can create some redemption there. Now, So He's not responsible for it. Because I hate the theology that every time a hurricane hits landfall, and wow, in 2020 have we ever had a number of hurricanes that some Christian will try to quote this and say, well, God must be punishing them, whatever city happens to be. And it seems like God just has it out for coastal cities at that point. I'm thinking, you know, thank goodness we live inland some. 
And so here's the message is that in all these blessings that I'm about to share with you, that it's God that can reach into a situation, even like a global pandemic, and still work a redemption story in the midst of that, just as he can reach into your life, whatever struggle you've had, whatever you faced, whatever down season, whatever um, tragedy has occurred to you, he can still have his redemptive power at work. It does not mean that he suddenly makes it go all the way, all way. But he can redeem it for a higher purpose. And one thing we're going to learn is that God cares more about your character and who you are than your comfort. And so he will allow things to come along in our way that we would not choose for ourselves. But have you had that moment in your life, and I've known several in mine and several in other people's lives, where they've walked through a difficult season, and perhaps it's you, they've walked through a very difficult season, and then when they look back on it years later, they said, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. See, that's because God works. God can even reach into the grave and redeem the lifeless body of Jesus. And so that's where I want to come from today as we talk about these. So I've got seven. I'm going to tell you this sermon went through lots of evolution. Sometimes it was three, sometimes as many as 12. Okay? My list may not match your list, but these are the seven that I want to share with you as we talk about what I'm recommending or I'm suggesting can be the blessings that COVID's brought. Here's, and each one of them are going to have a, have a verse that goes along with it. And so if you want to follow along, Feel free to, to jump on your Bibles, and if you get lost on one of them, again, I've got it all at westernhills.church. Okay, so here we go. Number one, we had a quarantine. The quarantine started on my birthday. It was Sunday, March 15th. I was looking forward to preaching on my birthday. Nobody was here. It was like, the you know, we threw a party. Nobody came. And that began this lockdown. And... We, nobody could have predicted, nobody had in their mind thought we would actually start shutting down schools and we would shut down sporting events and we'd shut down movie theaters and Disney World and Disneyland would, would close. Nobody would have predicted if you'd gone back even a couple of weeks before. And so here we all were in the shelter in place. And I realized that for many of them, this was a very difficult time. So again, I'm not trying to minimize your struggle with it. But what it did for us, it gave us this collective forced sabbatical. And i got to be honest with you, in many ways, me and my family, we were running at 100 miles an hour. And we were trying to keep up with all the different events. And our kids are right at that age where they had all these different events going on. And in fact... It was going to be Caden's, my oldest, his last semester in the house with us before he went off to college. And I really was having the struggle. I was like, I don't know how we're going to get it all in before he goes. I, I don't know how we're going to, to make use of this time because it seemed like the calendar was just already full. And we were already going direction after direction after direction after direction, chasing from one thing to the next. And then shelter in place came along. And how uncomfortable was that for most of us? To suddenly go from 100 miles an hour to what felt like 5 miles an hour. I mean, suddenly you're staring at people in your home going, who are you? 
And what it did for us, it allowed us to practice what is so hard for, I think, in this country for us to practice, and that is a sabbatical. To slow down long enough to let God speak, because God doesn't shout at us. But He comes to us in these whispers. And so a verse that I want to share with you is simply this one. You've heard it before. He says, be still and know that I am God. And for the first time, many of us in a long time had a chance or were forced to be still. And we didn't handle it well, did we? I mean, we just got anxious. But there was a season in there where God calmed and he quieted everything down. And we were able to reassess our priorities. I heard so many of you share about, wow, I'm connecting with my family in a way that I haven't before. I, about, a, about a year ago, I did a sermon series called Margins. And we talked about how we live our life right at the edge, where there's no margin, there's no margin of time, there's no margin uh, for family, there's no margin, we live right on the edge of money and time and all these things, and the margin just doesn't exist, there's no breathing space. And that is one of the series I've got the most feedback saying, we need to hear that. That's so true for us. We live right at the margin. And suddenly, a blessing of COVID was we were given some margin. And we got a chance to reassess. Be still and know that I'm God. Number two is this. A blessing of COVID is that it proved us that God's in control and we are not. Did anybody have any plans change this year? Did anybody have to rethink things this year? And how many, how many type A people out there, how many planner people out there did this year just drive you crazy because every time you had a plan, it changed it? I know we were experiencing this at, through church because, you know, once, the, co- once the, the shutdown started, we were like, okay, what's church going to look like this Sunday? What's it going to look like next Sunday? And we were literally going week to week to week trying to figure this out. I mean... I've done this long enough to think, I know the game plan, and suddenly all the game plans were gone. We were upside down because we were hooked on the fact that we think we're in control, and suddenly God provided something that says, you're not in control. Remember that you're not in control of this. See, this is what James is trying to tell us. James wrote a letter, and he says this, Now listen, you who say... Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll live and do this or that. That verse could be the theme verse of 2020, could it not? You got all these plans? You think you're in control? You think you've got it all, all, all together? And along comes the blessings, reminder that we don't have the control that we thought we did. And the problem is we think we can get on top of things if we'll just use the right management system, the right technology, the right strategy, the right plan. If we'll get far enough out, we can organize the world around us and suddenly we are proved all wrong in that and our best efforts. We still are struggling with this. But it's reminded us not that we don't have control, but that God does. And that He's got this. And whatever He's at work in, that hasn't changed yet. 
the election didn't change it. The pandemic hasn't changed it. Nothing has changed it that God's still in control. And it, it's humbling. And it's in some ways, it's strangely comforting to remember, no, no, my life is just a mist here. It's here for a little while, and then it's going to be gone. Let's don't get that out of whack. Understand that God's got this. He's always handled it. Number three is this. Boys and Coast, it reminded us of the source of our joy. We had to relearn what it meant. And this is especially important for those of us in this country. Because our joy ends up getting placed on so many different things. We, we found joy in what we can acquire. We found joy in what we thought we could count on. We found joy in our, in our routines. We found joy in the, the ways we could have entertainment. You know, so even entertainment has radically been changed. We found joy, or we found happiness, I'm sorry, excuse me, we were trying to find happiness in our comfort zone. And then suddenly we all get yanked out of our comfort zone and realize that happiness is not the pursuit we should have had in the first place. See, happiness is based on your happenings. Joy is sourced completely differently. And what this did is it stripped away lots of our routine, lots of what was familiar, pulled us out of our comfort zone, um, made us struggle and be anxious at times. We realized that there's a source of joy that's not based on what's happening around us. And I'll show that to you. Here's the next verse. In all this, you greatly rejoice. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Now, that's strange to say. It was strange. This is from a verse from 1 Peter. And 1 Peter is writing to people that are struggling also. And they're being oppressed. And they're not in charge of their own lives. And yet he's saying, in all this, you greatly rejoice. Why can he say that? Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, and you're going through fire. You're going through trials. And they were going through trials. They were being persecuted because of their faith. It says you're having this suffering. So one, God never promised you he was going to keep you in your comfort zone. Remember, he cares more about your character than your comfort zone. And as you go through these, how you go through these, there can be a blessing there because it shapes you and it reveals your faith. And then he compares it to gold because that's where we want to find our happiness, right? In the material things. It says, but it's not found there because even that ends up being burned away. But it's found not in the happenings, but in a person when Jesus Christ is revealed. So one of the blessings of COVID is when it takes away all this distraction, it reminds us that Jesus Christ is and forever will be the only true source of our joy. Everything else is going to be up for grabs. Everything else is going to blow around with the wind. But not Jesus. Not the one that says, I will be with you always. Fourth blessing. 
COVID reminded us that the church is a worldwide body, not a local building. And this was really evident to us. I mean, suddenly, we couldn't even come to the building. Everybody, if you went to Bible class or Bible school growing up, you remember this. You know, everybody just put your hands together like this, interlock your fingers. You at home, I'm watching. So there's an old little song or a little rhyme. This is the church. This is the? Open the doors and there's all the? You can wiggle your fingers. See? Now, I know who went to Bible school growing up, and if you didn't, you're looking around going, these people are nuts. It was a way to remind ourselves that the building is not the church. And I've got to tell you, one of the great blessings of COVID is the fact that the church across this country was reminded that it's not about the local building, but it's a worldwide body together. Let me go back to 1 Peter again. Let me show you this verse. 1 Peter writes, says, You also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him in Christ. See, he uses the building language, right? He talks about you're being built up into the church. It's not bricks and mortar. It's flesh and blood. It's relationship, it's one another. And then we're reminded that this is not just about this local building, but the fact that it now is around the world. And so two, two blessings came out of that. One is that, that we were experiencing, in, in a weird form of solidarity, with our sister churches in Africa, the epidemic. We, we were experiencing with churches around town, the epidemic. It didn't matter, but this was all around the world. And so it was striking to think that as we were experiencing it here, around the world, Christians everywhere were having an experience. Maybe not just like ours, but their lives were being affected by the same reason and things were changing. And I was reminded the body of Christ goes around the world. And so when Leland, our missionary from Uganda, came back and talked about how they were experiencing the shutdown and the quarantine, reminded once again that we are connected to them. As they're trying to figure out how to worship, so are we. And there's a connection there because the church is worldwide. The gospel went global before COVID did. And the gospel is going to be around a lot longer than COVID ever will. Other thing that I was reminded to this blessing is that we learned that it's not all about just the building. It's through this incredible technology that we have that the message kept going out. We're, we're being watched around the world now. And there's a message that's being proclaimed, not just by us, but our message is going around the world. And so we've got people that have logged on anywhere from Afghanistan to Oregon to numerous states across the country. And the gospel is not going to be contained. It, it's not going to be limited. The gospel is not going to respect locked doors. God's going to keep going forth. And it's not based on the fact of this building. It's not based on any local thing, but it's based on a worldwide body. Number five. Uh, it has given us an opportunity to demonstrate that every member 
is a minister. Every, now, this is a big one for me. Because, because one thing I'm convicted of, and I've shared this before, is the only difference between you and me is that my office happens to be on this campus. Every member is a minister. And we've had a chance to put that in, put that in practice. Let me show you what First Peter says about it. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You're a royal priesthood. See, that meant a lot to the people that first heard this verse because the priests were the ones that served God. And they spoke on behalf of God and they ministered on behalf of God. And Peter writes to the whole church, all believers in Jesus, and say, you're now that royal priesthood. Every member, every disciple, every follower of Jesus is a minister. And what I've had a chance to see from my special vantage point as the minister here is the way that you guys have reached out and loved one another. The way you've taken care of each other and you've looked after each other. It, it would have been horrendous if it was all dependent upon just the ministry staff or the elders to go by and do all the visiting and go by and check in on everybody. But so many of you started checking in on each other. And you started picking up the phone and making phone calls or driving by, knocking on the door, taking six steps back and checking on somebody. And that was so powerful because that's the body of Christ working together and the, the ministers exercising their gifts. I, I can't tell you the number of phone calls that I made where I would check on somebody. I'd be calling somebody and say, hey, how are you doing? And all this crazy. And say, we're great. But Scott, if you find anybody that needs anything, and I mean anything. I mean, I heard that phrase, somebody, and I mean anything. You let me know. And so we did the good neighbor effort. And you were so generous, money, that we were able to reach out and minister in some ways that we didn't see coming. And that was the body of Christ, every member being a minister. And even after COVID goes away, I pray we don't lose that lesson. Because the future of the church is not dependent on the professional staff. It's dependent on the body of Christ rising up and being Jesus, the hands and feet in every situation. Number six. It reminded us that this, is, that this world is not our home. I'll show you what this says. This is 1 Peter once again. Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You are to live as foreigners. And the problem is we all got too comfortable here, didn't we? We all settled down and thought, this, this is our home. No, there's a home coming. There's a home waiting for us. There's a home that God's going to redeem, and He's already promised, I've gone ahead of you to prepare a place for you. This world was not ever intended to be our home, but at times we start thinking it is, and then we get frustrated when we don't feel like we've got the home field advantage. And here's the reminder this is not home for you. This is a place where you are now and where you're living out this life of faith now. But don't confuse this with home. And this got taught to us in some strange ways, didn't it? You know, in the verse, he says, you know, don't get too dependent on gold or silver. We were taught not to be too dependent on toilet paper this past year. Okay, can we just get real for a second? I mean... Did that not bring anybody else's anxiety up? 
I mean, here we are in one of the most wealthy nations in the world, if not the wealthiest nation in the world, and we're all scrambling around for toilet paper and having anxiety about it. I can remember early on walking into H-E-B going, okay, I'm not going to get caught up in the, in the rush. And suddenly you get a sense of everybody else's anxiety. What happens to your own? You know, Because we're all on edge. We're all making these runs. We're all, we're all trying to, to grab surplus. But son, this isn't your home. It never was meant to be. And the good news is, Jesus is going, wait till you see what home looks like. It'll blow you away. Number seven is this. This is real personal to us. Number seven, gave us a taste of heaven through our relationship with the Avenue G Church. Now, what do I mean by that? I'll show you this verse. This comes from Revelation. This, in Revelation, you get this vision of what heaven's going to be like when, when home is finally home. And he says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes. They were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Heaven is going to be a colorful place. All skin tones will be there. All political persuasions will be there. It's going to be diverse and it's going to be glorious because of it. And what I'm so grateful for is because of a need that arose for us to come together and do some things together that we weren't able to do by ourselves separately is this opportunity for us to spend the last 12 weeks with the Avenue G Church. We're a predominantly white, they're a predominantly black church. And in that moment, we got a taste of heaven. Just a small taste, because it's going to be far more varied than that. But we got to see what heaven was going to be like. As we worshiped and we praised and we sang that salvation comes from God together. Now that should get us all excited about what's to come. But it's not simply going to be me staying inside of my comfort zone and God's not going to make heaven just for me. And God, it's going to be everything that you've ever wanted. It's going to be a community of believers. And there we're not going to social distance anymore. And there all the masks are going to come away. And there we're going to be known and fully know one another. And whatever hang-ups, whatever hesitancies, whatever prejudices, whatever walls, whatever barriers, whatever has blocked um, intimate relationships before will be gone. And so what we do here is just a reflection of. It's a, it's a dress rehearsal. It's a rehearsal dinner for what's coming, for the wedding that's going to come when Jesus comes and gathers his bride together and says... Welcome home. Oh, that's going to be glorious. Again, this, could, this list could have 30 or more, and I'm sure you've got some better ones on your list. But 
God is a God that can step into the world, even into your darkest situation, even into your greatest struggle, even into your most depressing moment. And I'm not going to stand up here and make a promise that he's just going to change it all and make it all go away. You never get that promise in Scripture. But he can redeem it. And there is no better option than that. Because if we're going to walk through trials, if we're going to walk through challenges, wouldn't we want some kind of redemption to come from it? And so the God that created you, the God that knows you better than, than you know yourself, the God that allows you to walk away from him, the God that allowed you to not simply just be a robot that responded automatically, but the God that invites you into relationship, and he invites you so passionately that he was willing to allow Jesus to suffer. The, the one that received the ultimate suffering, that he could redeem not only that moment, but redeem you in the process. In all things, God works. Let me pray for us. Father, I, I pray. I pray for those that perhaps this pandemic has caused greater struggle, greater harm, greater loss, greater whatever than has affected me personally, Father. So, Father, I pray that you're at work in that moment too, that you're redeeming in that situation. Father, you're bringing a peace and you're bringing a hope to those. And to each of us, Father, you're entering into our situations, even though they're varied and different, and you're at work and you're ministering and you're changing. Father, I'd ask that you would send your spirit and you would continue to be the comforter in all things. And Father, that you would also give us open eyes to see you at work in this, that we wouldn't miss it, and that seeing your presence and how close and near you are and how intimately you care for each of us, that that we would see as the blessing in the middle of a pandemic. Father, I'm so grateful for the ways that you have worked, you're working today, and you will be working. Father, I ask all this in the name of Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.